Welcome to the Bakesh Podcast. I started in a little bit early, so the music was still loud. But hey, that's the kind of professionalism you can expect from the Bakesh Podcast. Absolutely. I feel like it faded out faster. I got to check that file. Um, I have no clue. Hey, my name is Don, and I am here with Scott. Hi. We are the hosts. The I don't know. We are the hosts of the Bacash Podcast. We're, we're the talkers, the speakers, the... Um, yeah. Now we got to come up with a cool name other than just host. Yeah, the... Uh, well, well, uh, I don't Matadors, know. no. The Amatador. But you have to say it like, with a more like... Amatador. We are the Amatadors. I don't have that kind of voice. God, this is this is my radio voice. <laughs> um, we are... That was my William Shatner. We are <laughs> the podcast. Um, we're a couple guys. We love to talk about the Bible. We love the Old Testament and reading it. And we just want to uh, thank you for spending your time listening to us babble and go on about the Old Testament. Absolutely. And if you're a first-time listener, you should probably go back to the first episodes because we do this in order. We're going through Deuteronomy. And I just feel like we haven't restated that in a while. That is true. We so just randomly, yeah. I don't know, could you randomly find us on the internet and... Ooh, chapter 15 of Deuteronomy. I'll listen, but yeah, I guess if you don't know any better, then... Right. Hey, go back to the beginning, chapter 1, because... Yeah, 1-1. Yeah. One, one. Deuteronomy 1-1. One, one. Right. See what we had to say. We forgot it's been so long. It probably really... Actually, I had been going <laughs> back and getting into, you know, writing in my new Bible and going, ooh, I get to transfer my notes oh. to there. I think you say listening to her. I was like, dude, you don't have to. No, no, I mean, no. If you want to, but that excuse our numbers. <laughs> Oh, I'll, no, don't I'll worry. I'll get you the raw files. Well, actually, Sarah recently said she's going to start listening to it. I'll believe it when I see the stats. I know. <laughs> when you see that one go <laughs> up. Oh, my gosh, we're up <laughs> one. Sarah's listening. <laughs> one new listener. Oh. My wife still downloads. <laughs> she, so she's got the uh, the Podbean, who we host through. She's got like their app to look for it. Okay. And uh, she doesn't have the alerts turned off. <laughs> and occasionally she gets like random suggestions like... As a subscriber to the podcast podcast, you should listen to. And the one day I'm sitting here, I was like, Joel Osteen, really? That's who. That's who <laughs> Is that who we're tied with? Yeah. Well, uh, that's who we're tied to. We're not, okay. He's got far more downloads because people like to have their ears tickled, as they say. In the <laughs> <laughs> he scratches that itch. Oh, no. Uh, well, we just lost all the Joel Osteen we'll, listeners. Uh, all right. So we need to be matched with someone cooler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. If you go onto iTunes <laughs> and rate our podcast, it will help, uh, like, kind of change what gets recommended because it will say, "Oh, John Doe liked that podcast," and you know, another really cool podcast, maybe like, you know, Desiring God or you know, like John Piper, mm -hmm. or uh, maybe you got like the Presby Cast or you know, something that's solid and cool, and it will stop recommending Joel Osteen and TD Jakes to my wife. Yes. So please go rate it for the sake of my wife's pod bean app. <laughs> those are good mo that's good motivation yes, right there. Yeah. Cause she's smart enough to know those guys are not good to listen to. Right. But other people out there might not be. And you might be saying, What's wrong with Joel Osteen and T D Jakes? Oh no, don't get them started. We don't have that kind of time today. <laughs> <laughs> but just Google oneness Pentecostal and you'll see why I don't like T D Jakes. Maybe, Among maybe, other. maybe we can create like a special edition podcast. Yes. I won't even have a chance to talk. I'll have like a hissy fit. He's got, yeah, he's got a couple opinions. Like prosperity, gospel <laughs> preachers. Start <laughs> it. All right. So anyway, Deuteronomy 15. Yes. Um, so we are on Deuteronomy 15. Um, we are, I would almost say that we, we are getting into, in a sense, um, God's command for us to be to take care of the poor, and so the majority of the chapter is focused on on um, taking I, care of the poor. I argue the well, we'll get into it, but I argue the poor and each other. Oh yes, absolutely. Like I think that's a, a <clears throat> big section of it. Well, that's actually a very good statement, especially as we get a little bit further, because they're no they're they're part of the community just as much as everyone. So right. yes, uh, you are correct and. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And the foreigner among us. Yes, but but they don't have quite as they don't have the protections. Right. But right. I I would argue that's for a uh, theological reason. Okay. 
Because, yeah, but that's the whole, that we can get into that. All right, so let's get into that. So with that, let's get into that. Um, chapter 15, and we're going to start off reading chapter 15, 1 through 6. 6, yeah, that's where, All right. that's our first break. At the end of... <clears throat> At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release, and this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner, you may exact it, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all all this commandment that I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and you shall not rule over many nations, uh, but they shall not rule over you. Also, you shall rule over many nations, yeah. but they shall not rule over you. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I read the line below. No, that's quite all right. All right. So what do you have for this part? Um, one thing that I kind of, which... An Old Testament scholar like myself, oh, uh, not at all, um, should have known. And it, it kind of dawned on me, and I don't know if I've been talking to the wrong people or just not studying this as much, but I, for some reason, had it in my mind that this the, the seven-year cycle they're talking about began when the money was lent, and it was like seven years from that point. Mm-hmm. And I think that either I was talking to somebody else or like I was thinking of modern bankruptcy uh I don't know if there are laws or traditions in the United States where mm-hmm. if you declare bankruptcy after seven years, it, it gets dumped off of your credit report. Right. So I, I don't know if I was confused there or not, but it was kind of a bit of clarity to realize that the seven years did not start when you lent the money. The seven years started once year seven was over. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get into it, you know, a little bit. Uh, well, I, I guess it's verse six, I think um, six or seven. Yeah, is it? I'm I'm lost. My notes are not as highlighted as usual. I'm trying to go digital and it's harder. Okay. I'm not used to that. I'm sorry. I've got all kinds of different colors so- in mine. Sorry, listeners. I got to get used to this. Um, I'm trying to be cool, like Scott. My I don't use my notebook anymore. But anyway, yeah, the seven years uh, basically starts on a set date for everybody. So you could, in theory, lend out some money at six years, three hundred sixty-four days. And basically, on year seven, say goodbye mm-hmm. to that debt. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I, I found that to be harder. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, and I and I think you re- it really gets into seven through in seven through eleven. Yeah, I think that's you where you really start to see how powerful that is, and how our attitude and, and the way that we relate with that ultimately really matters. So that yeah, that could you imagine if we worked on that as a as a nation now? If you were forgiving debt on a seven year cycle, so you know, like last year, two thousand seventeen, let's mm-hmm. say that was the cycle. So that when you debt you get into now, you're like, oh man, I got to deal with this for six years, right? Absolutely, you know, kind of thing. Regardless of however, my student loans would be toast right now. <laughs> you're like, yes. So if you want to donate to me, that's uh, this is Don's email at gmail dot com as my PayPal payee, you can take care of my student loans. <laughs> Let me know what you get out of that. And it, yeah, probably a bunch of spam. <laughs> Here's me taking care of your student loans, jerk. <laughs> but if I do get something, I will send you a thank you card and I will announce your name on the air or I'll keep it private if you want to be a private benefactor. Will at least be handwritten. Because Great Lakes Higher Education apparently does not obey the law as written out in Deuteronomy. <laughs> Dude, I will handwrite you a freaking notebook full of thank yous <laughs> for that kind of release. Where were we? Okay. Anyway, so so I so I thought so ultimately, um, again, I, I think I miss misphrased earlier where where I said ultimately this is kind of an introduction of a chapter focused on the poor, but but really just focusing on poverty in general mm-hmm. within society. Um, I, I didn't know a lot about the debt system and that sort of thing. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, Christopher Wright kind of um, wrote this. He Yeah, this would be interesting because he was referenced a lot, and uh, Grisanti argues with Christopher Wright's points in a few notes in his commentary. Really? So we're going to have a fight so, tonight? Well, I don't know, because I, I kind of split both. There are some okay. that I was like, yeah, I think he's right, and then there are others I was like, well, maybe. 
maybe Christopher Wright is right. Okay. Wright is right. So yeah, so, go yeah. On. We'll so, see what you came up with. We'll so this I... one I just thought was interesting. I get into, I really had fun with 7 through 11, but we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, so from my understanding, so this is kind of what Christopher Wright says. He basically recalls ancient law, um, and he believes that in Exodus, it uh, kind of adds a modification. Um, it says the Hebrew phrase translated, you must cancel debts in Deuteronomy 15.1, uses the same word as that translated, let the land lie unplowed in Exodus 23.11. Um, it is the root, SMT, meaning to release. Um, so in Exodus, the law prescribes for six years you are to work the lamb, but in the seventh year you shall release it. In Deuteronomy, the law says at the end of every seven years you shall make a release, which is S-E-M-I-T-T-A, that, that Hebrew word. Uh, the Deuter- Deuteronomic um, law thus expands the scope of the follow year from release of the land, from the burden of plowing to the release of human beings from the burden of debt. It thus picks up the humanitarian dimension of the original law, which was for the benefit of the poor, and consolidates it through a specific measure aimed at alleviating the prime component of poverty poverty, uh, and debt. So in that, where where some of the uh, argument came from, is is Christopher Wright, because there... Grisanti argued with two books. Okay. He argued with the commentary we had and then another book that Christopher Wright wrote. And I'm actually kind of, inter- I'll have to give you the name of it, kind of interested in, it's actually about like the release of the debts and stuff. Really? I think it's about the whole year of Jubilee slash, okay. you know, this Sabbath year. Um, I'll have to look it up. And usually he actually agrees with Christopher Wright on many. Quite a bit, yeah. yeah he cites him um, probably more than almost anybody else. But uh, it seemed that Christopher Wright. I'm curious. Uh, said that the, the payments merely deferred, mm-hmm. meaning that the payment cycle picks back up the next year. Okay. However, other scholars say, no, that makes no sense in context based on what we'll read later about slaves and stuff like that. So okay. did he have a... So I don't know, because I have in my notes, and, and if I, I didn't cite it well, if, if I did. So I put that there was two possible meanings. Um, suspension of repayment in that year or a total cancellation of the debt itself, which that one is more common with ancient Jewish tradition. So he addressed those as two possible um, outcomes of what it's is talking about here, where, again, you, you suspend the debt but then of repayment, but then the next year it picks back up. Um, but he also says the most common, um, at least in ancient Jewish tradition, is a total cancellation of the debt itself. So... I'm sorry, I was looking up the book. Do you feel that he leaned one way or the other? Um, I did not feel... I, I, I thought, at least through my reading, that he believed it was a total cancellation of the debt itself. However, maybe I misread that and just saw that it, the ancient Jewish tradition, and then I made an assumption there. Okay. Yeah, I, I maybe Grisante was saying, hey, you can look up in here and have a further exposition of it. I cannot find it. I need to quit looking. Uh, I, I thought um, I, I didn't know enough about it to be able to argue one way or the other, and I may have actually got that other piece from because I did look at other sources and do other readings, so maybe... No, uh, I mean, you possibly got mm-hmm. it from him, but I'm not going to deny that. I was just wondering if maybe you felt that he took a stance in either way. Uh, if he it, did... It makes things very different. Mm-hmm. If it's just a, a no interest, no payments. Mm-hmm. Well, if he, d- if, if he didn't, I did take a stance. So you know, I, I go digital a lot, uh, as you know. So I have different colors, and, and it's in black. And so in black are my thoughts. So nice. it, it might be one of those things that, that, as I was reading various sources, that, that's my th- that those are the two things I discovered, and those are my thoughts. Um, red means I have a statement that I, that I definitely want to make sure that I say, because I was like, all right, th- this makes a lot of sense to me. Um, green is questions, and then blue is um, stuff that I take out of book. So, so it is in black. So that means that I may have just, I don't know. Mm. Really quick, there is a, there's a couple. I think one might be God's people and God's land, family land and property in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, might be the book that I was thinking of, but I'm not going to waste any more time looking for it. Okay. Um, I haven't read it. It was just what he was citing. Okay. So I'd have to look at the notes in the commentary again. Then I did not bring with me because I made all my notes digital. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so do I guess through vo- four through six? Um, 
I'm not big on equations, but but I thought that I, I kind of made up an equation where basically no poor plus the Lord blessing um, it will happen um, with human obedience. Um, so basically, you're going to find that there is no poor, and you will experience the, the Lord's blessing if if they choose to obey these commands that that God is ultimately setting before them. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, and this, I didn't know how much to, I thought it was at least interesting. Um, So Christopher Wright kind of makes a connection um, in Deuteronomy 15.4, where he says there will be no poor. Um, And he says that um, if you look to Acts 4.34, it says there was not a needy person among them. Um, So (laughs) did you get it? No, I'm, that, yeah, I, interesting yeah and so he ba- it basically says that in the past he, he basically in deuteronomy goes from a future tense to acts that has a past tense um and basically he chose to describe them in, in words so basically here's what christopher wright says um uh, is referring to luke um and his portrayal of the so yeah and referral to luke being um discussing the community of the holy spirit Um, as discussed in Acts, he says that Luke chose to describe them in words taken almost directly from the LXX, uh, the the Septuagint, translation of verse 4, simply changing its future tense to the past tense. Um, There were no needy persons among them, as discussed in Acts 4.34. And I just thought that was interesting. Um, Where did Luke know his Old Testament well enough to go ahead and say, well, you know, here's what was discussed in Deuteronomy, and here's kind of the fulfillment of if God's people are working as they're supposed to um, and um, basically taking care of each other, that there won't be any needy if they're kind of living out life as the church is, is God had intended um, and described in Acts. So I think, yes. I think there is, and I don't mean to rub or, you know, rub anybody the wrong way or, you know, ruffle some feathers. But I think that there is a, I'm going to, I'm going to use a buzzword here, but don't label me as such. But I think there's a socialistic element to Christianity. And it's not a like, Hey, you are one of us. So we're going to take everything divided equally among everybody. But I think there is a, Hey, I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of uh, mandate that's put on throughout scripture. So, what I'm saying is if if you're making six figures, you know, or whatever, you're you're really well off and you know that your brother who goes to your church live in next door to you, whatever happens to be, <coughs> um, it, you know, is having a hard time making his car payment. It is mandated in a sense that you help him out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I have in here for later on. Uh, when we get down later in the verses, but there's no, <coughs> hey, only help him out if he's like got a job and he's trying. Mm-hmm. There, there's no, there's nothing that says that he can't be a fool and be squandering his money. Right. Um, but that God is still mandating that, w- that he's taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's legit. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you're making six figures, your brother next door is making 15000 a year, you need to hand over enough money to make him equals with you. Right. I'm not in right. any way, or I'm not saying that you have to donate the whole check to the church and let them divvy it out among the 150 people that go there, or mm-hmm. God forbid you go to a mega church. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you get a penny, and you get a penny, uh, you know, or whatever that happens to be. But what I am saying is there is a mandate that we take care of our brothers, and it seems to be uh, something that's pleasing Mm-hmm. to the Lord. And we we're talking about obedience. What does obedience look like? We were, I was talking about James with you before the right. podcast. Drawing near to God is obe- obeying, and part of obeying is taking care of, which I won't get into your personal matters, but holy cow. What? I, I did not say crap because I didn't <laughs> want to get the explicit lyrics. In your situation that will not be discussed on the mics for privacy reasons, mm-hmm. I feel that you're in a place where being obedient is taking care of the the least of these mm-hmm. and i think that's you're asking well how what does obedience look like in this situation brother you're being obedient <laughs> so take that as on mic encouragement because i'm not editing this out right and for those of you that don't know sucks to be you maybe friend us on facebook and be <laughs> pals with us and we'll know who you are um, <laughs> wait where was i um obedience yeah but i think that that's there, there is god pleasures in that obedience and god pleasures 
in his people providing for each other because he, I've said it before, were his instruments. Mm-hmm. It's how he chooses to use uh, us. You know, he chooses to use us as a means of grace to others, whether that's full out preaching the gospel, that's praying for other people. Um, we are the tools that make God's will happen mm-hmm. on this earth. That, oh, my goodness, we're chosen to be used by like the creator of the universe kind of thing. It's awesome. Right. Um, and this is another way obeying him and providing for our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. is a way that he chooses to use us. Yeah. So I think I ranted and went off and I don't even remember the original so anything that got us into this. So, so we went to uh, Acts four, and, and I'll give you the context oh, between. Yes. yes. All right. There is not a needy person among them. The the picture that's painted in Acts four thirty four, yeah four thirty four is this. It says, "Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus." And great, uh, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So I, I think here we see um, kind of a picture of um, if they're being obedient, um, then um, the Lord will bless them, and through that obedience, um, through well, there there will there was not a needy person among them was what Acts four thirty four said, and so was this the thought process of Deuteronomy and and was Luke referring to Deuteronomy when he was thinking that um, where we went from a future tense to a present tense where this is the picture that God had intended? Um, I don't know, but I, well, the more that I study the Old Testament and the more that I study the New Testament, the more I realize those that wrote Bible books um, usually knew their Old Testament really, really, really well. So right. it wouldn't really surprise me that that's kind of a legit statement. That's, yeah, agreed. I, I don't see any, and even if it's not, it doesn't mean it can't be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Even yeah. if it was not intentional by Luke, mm-hmm. it does not mean that it was... But when you're not reading, intentional by God who inspired mm-hmm. Luke to write it. And, and, and if we have, I know we've uh, at least clarified Septuagint in the past. Um, basically, the Septuagint is the earliest Greek translation for, um, for the original Hebrew. So mm. um, ultimately, he's knowing the, the Greek from the Septuagint, and basically those words are very similar, meaning it probably was not an accident. Um, that that happened, and and if it was his accident, it probably wasn't God's accident. So I don't think we've ever discussed the translations. Oh, have we not? No, yeah, but oh. that's all right. Okay, well maybe, maybe someday we need a future podcast that focuses on I'd that. Have to read it all again. Yeah, I would too. I used to fight with King James Onias, and I used to know all that, and mm-hmm. now I'm like, hmm. So Textus Receptus, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Latin one? <laughs> I, I, Latin, I have no clue. Translated from Greek to Latin to English? Yeah, isn't Latin a dead language? Why learn a dead language? Well... I'm sure someone can argue that, but... Yeah, my kids are, <laughs> have learned a lot oh, of Latin. Just kidding. But Then they can argue that. That's, I just want them to be doctors okay. someday. That's fair. And they got to pronounce all those big, you know... It's a great retirement plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So see, that, that's smart thinking right there. Yeah. Hey, kids, you're rich. Take care of dad. It's in Deuteronomy. Right. It is in Deuteronomy. I am the needy among you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, even taking care of your family. I mean, that, that was a thing. I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, yeah, remember when we used to take care of our families? <laughs> All right. 6,000 BC when we took care of our families. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Who needs that? Actually, this, wasn't, this was like 3,000 BC, yeah. but whatever. Anyway, sorry. So we need to get back to taking care of your yeah. families. I mean, I'm getting older. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, my daughters need to eventually change my diaper. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Turned about as fair play. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, about enough about diapers. Um, so now, oh, I'm still an axe. That's why that doesn't make sense. All right, so we are going to continue with chapter 15. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, verse 7 through 11. And this is the part where I spent the majority of my time, and it was kind of fun. Um, so, yeah. Actually, it's all kind of fun, but it was fun. Anyway, all right, 7 through 11. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land and the Lord your God, that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. 
Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, The seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of being a closed fisted jerk face. I know. I know. Yeah. But when I when we looked into it, I was like, I'm about to go check the shopping list for our food pantry. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I need to give. Yeah, because it it doesn't say nice thing about being grudgingly with your money or. Well, that sort of thing. I think the part that kind of scared me the most here was the talk of like, the, do not let your heart be hardened uh, or giving begrudgingly because mm-hmm. we, uh, so we have this ability to like kind of disassociate our sin from the overt bad guys in the Bible. But if we remember Pharaoh, who would be considered like a boss level villain in the Bible, mm-hmm. his supervillain power was Mm -hmm. his hardness of heart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, God hardened his heart. His heart was hardened towards Israel and towards letting God's people go so that God might show his might and wonder. Um, But, like, that is not the, you know, level boss power that I want to be exhibiting. Right, absolutely. So if it it comes from, if it's it's a heart thing, and obedience comes from your heart, and it's, it's difficult... Uh, it, it scares me that my heart is hardened towards anybody that might be in need. Mm-hmm. You know, because in my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, I got needs too, bro. You well, it's, it's so easy to be selfish with what we have and the money that we have or to say, well, it's not being used or oh, you're on welfare and, well, right. why aren't you doing anything? Or, and then there's so many, I mean, I've heard so many different arguments where that or, or but, mm-hmm. you know, or, or but becomes here's why I shouldn't lend. But in this, I don't see any ors or buts. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying um, earlier. There's no mandate that like, oh, hey, the fool gambled away all of his money. You're supposed to like, you know, not lend him any or lend him with some extremely tight strings attached or, you know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of. And, and I think in seven, what, seven, eight and ten, it is very much a command. Um, it says, if among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land, that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for the need, whatever it may be. And I think verse 11 goes in, um, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So by no means is it a, well, if, but, or whatever, it's I'm commanding you to give to those or to lend those in need. Well, I mean, how do you argue with that one? Uh, one of the things that I often hear is like, well, you know, I don't want to give money to a drug addict mm-hmm. um, because they're just going to go spend it on drugs or whatever. But you know, like if, if your brother or sister's a drug addict, that helping them out might be the first thing that gets them on their feet and mm-hmm. going towards recovery. Yep. God doesn't call you to dictate how the money's spent per se. I mean, you can obviously give them advice like, hey, this is for food, man. Don't go using this for something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you're commanded to give not to judge how that person spends it. Mm-hmm. I'm, try- well, I'm, I'm like so guarding well, my words because I'm so afraid of saying the wrong thing. Well, the, the So this is where it gets fun. The command, so the command from from what I saw was, first of all, to open your hand widely, to lend sufficient for the need. So my wallet's hurting more and more. To give to him freely and not to be grudging. Who are we supposed to do that? Our brother, Mm -hmm. the poor, Mm -hmm. and the needy. Ouch. Uh, Why is it? Why is it? There will always be needy and poor. So that kind of emphasizes that command. Now, here's where it gets kind of fun. This is where I was like... And, and I, I encourage you as, as I explain the metaphors from how it's described and in, 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 in I guess the Hebrew or, or whatever as they're kind of discussing these metaphors um, to eventually listen to this and then go back, keeping in mind 
um, how he describes the hand, the heart, and the eye, and what that looks like when you get into what's being discussed here. So the hand is actually brought up a lot of times. Um, um, and, and again, most of this comes actually from Christopher Wright. So um, although I'm probably not going to be quoting him directly, um, this is where I kind of stole most of the information. And it was very fun to kind of read it from this perspective. So we've cited the source. Yes. Um, so the hand, um, basically the text addresses one with economic power. So the hand is to represent um, those that, that have the economic power. If I, I quote him directly, it says, the social response to poverty is put squarely in the hands of those who have hands. The power to do something, effect or the power to do something effective about it, Oh, example, the power to do something effective about it. So um, by opening your hands, those are the ones that have the power economically to, to help make an impact and a change. Um, they're the ones that have the ability to, to take action. It is not left to the self-effort of the unaided poor alone, but to those who can open their hand and have that economic power. Um, when you're talking about the heart, so the heart is also mentioned many times in here, especially when you're talking about not being grudgingly. Um, for example, you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging. So when we're talking about, well, here, I'll go, uh, well, I'll go back to hand. Let me go back to hand later on, then we'll go to the heart, sorry. So when we're talking about the hand and having the economic power, how it's used many times is how it says, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand. Um, against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend to him su sufficient for his need. Um, later on, it again addresses, you shall open wide your hand. So those are the ones with, that have the power to take action and do something about it. When you're coming to heart, um, the heart usually represents in the Old Testament, it is the seat of the mind and the will. And so the heart governs the intention and direction of that economic action. So it's kind of um, a warning against um, be, a warning against how it is your own self-interest um, or, or a warning against what, what are your true intentions. When you're looking at heart, um, at least within this passage, it says, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand. Um, it says, take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say, the seventh year or the year of release is near. Um, and then it talks about you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging. And so ultimately, he's basically discussing um, where your heart, where your will, where your intention is. And if you have the economic means, um, are you doing something grudgingly or are you doing something with, with the with the right thought and the right mind? Are you being wicked with your thoughts, grudging? Are you focused on your self-interest, or are you doing it because um, that's where God has your heart? You're doing out of, out of obedience to God. Um, Christopher Wright quotes it this way, Deuteronomy is well aware of the self-interest of those who wield economic power and dictate economic policy and realizes that justice for the poor requires a wholly different mindset translated into personal and political will power. Um, I didn't know it didn't state this um, specifically, but my mind went back to uh, Matthew 6, um, 21, where, where the parallel of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I, uh, again, Christopher Wright did not bring that up, so I don't know if there's a parallel, but it seems to make sense when we're talking about the heart um, that, that that would kind of fit within that same idea of where, where your treasure is. Then I went into the eye. And so the eye is discussed. Um, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing. So um, I am going to quote Christopher Wright in this part. It says, how one looks at another reveals the attitude inside. So wrong attitudes are bound up with wrong actions, just as a wrong mind and will are. Thus, to show it will, to show show ill will, and to consider it hardship are both translations of the Hebrew eye metaphors. Um, for example, give an evil eye, and it must not be hard in your eyes. The usage here and later rabbinic uh, use of the eye make it clear that Jesus's reference to good or bad eye in Matthew six twenty six also has to do with attitudes of generosity or meanness, as the context indicates. Um, so if you go to Matthew 6, 22, 
twenty-six. Oh no, no, Matthew six twenty-two. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, it says, do, do 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 do. That's my finding the Bible music. Matthew six twenty-two. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I was like, ooh, okay, that's kind of interesting to, to kind of see uh, see how the eye kind of fits in there. Um, and so I kind of thought, I was like, that that's kind of true. Um, it's kind of perspective where uh, how I look at something um, very much depends on my actions and how I respond to certain circumstances. And so if I'm looking at a situation bad, then I'm going to be more grudging and my heart's not necessarily going to be in the right place. And so the eye kind of plays an important part of that. Um, so really when it, what it comes down to, sorry, I talked a whole lot, um, but obedience uh, to this entire commandment will require the response of the entire person um, where the hand means you have the ability to do something about it. The heart is almost the decision-making part, your will. What are your intentions? So do you have the right intentions? Um, are you joyfully and freely giving? Um, or... And then the social attitudes are like the eye. It's the right attitude. Are you seeing people through the correct eyes? Um, and then in verse 11, it says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brothers, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. And so I think as Don said earlier, he's like, well, it's not the poor, but it's it's kind of, anybody that, that needs it or anybody that's in need. And so like he uses relational language throughout the entire things. He states that your brothers in your towns, in your land, your hand, um, your poor person, your needy, your land. And so it's constantly focused back to, to it's not our, it's a statement of responsibility. Yeah. It's, it's our problem. It's, it's, and not, a, I guess, problem. It's, it's our responsibility. Yeah. Right. Um, it's God saying that you're given responsibility or I don't want to say control, but you're given control in the situation to take care of your brother, your, in your land, you know, so on and so forth. Right. Right. So I thought those metaphors were just really cool. And to re, and again, I, I know I talked, uh, said a lot, but so I encourage you kind of go back and, and look at it from that perspective mm-hmm. of the metaphors used with the hand, the eye, and the um, heart. Heart. Thank you. So, so it's almost to say that the, the eye is what basically inputs the information. So mm-hmm. that's what you're seeing. You're, you're either being enticed by uh, or you know, what's the opposite of enticed? Um, uh, not enticed. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Where's the, the source? Um, or you're being, uh, you know, you're either being enticed by or, you know, you're begrudging based on what you see, mm-hmm. um, which in turn is interpreted by what's in your heart. Right. So that data comes in through your eye, gets interpreted by your heart, and that tends to dictate how you behave. Right. So what you do with your hands, so how you act on that situation. So mm-hmm. if you look at somebody who's in need and you say, well, that's a fool and a fool and his money are soon parted, that's the interpretation from your heart. You're not going to give them anything. Right. However, right. if you look on them with compassion and you know, you're, you're drawing near to God, you're being obedient, you see that person as somebody in need you don't think of the extenuating circumstances around it. Your heart interprets that as that's somebody who needs something you've got and mm-hmm. you can help them. Right. And then your hands outflow with that interpretation and you give to that needy person. Right. So your hand ultimately represents, do you have, do you have the money and the ability to give? Um, heart, are you willing to, or do you do it grudgingly? Because I don't think God wants us to do grudgingly. No, uh, Second Corinthians, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically, it summed up, God loves a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that's in regards to tithe. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to give as you see fit is, is what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. So. And even the eye, like you had kind of mentioned, oh, that guy on the street. I mean, sometimes I'll be honest, you, you know, 
I'll see someone and go, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to help them. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Should I inspect your arm for tracks? Right, you know, absolutely. And, and how it is that we view people or those that, that are in a position of needing or, or in a position of poverty, how it is that we respond to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, our eyes play a big role in seeing someone going, oh, well, maybe not them, but right. oh, maybe I'll help them. And and well, so we we help the glorious way. Oh, right. but the person in the third world country may have the same issues. They might That's be true. poor. They might be an addict. Uh, they might it might have been a uh, result of their own circumstance. You know, they might have done something that led them into poverty. Um, but man, dude, those World Vision uh, magazines make it look so glorious to mm-hmm. help them. So I will send twenty soccer balls to kids in Guatemala well before I will put a dollar in the cup of the guy here mm-hmm. or I'll go buy uh you know a you know a sack full of I'd give freaking naked chicken chalupas <laughs> because that's the best thing Taco Bell has ever come up with. Mm-hmm. Um and if you're gonna complain about that, remember I fully endorse you going to Taco Bell. Um so I will give that to people <laughs> in need. If you don't like it, <laughs> too bad. Anyway, um I will give them food, mm-hmm. you know. But here it's not you you don't get all the pumped up feelings and the the glory of man I partnered with World Vision to help and nothing wrong with World Vision no, you know no. like uh, whatever <coughs> you know give as you can give but if you see right here in front of you in your land in mm-hmm. your town within your family you should quite possibly uh, be obedient I don't think that's the right phrase but yeah you should just be obedient right and, and help out yep and and I'll be honest though I, I struggled with it as well and. I wrestled with it, and, and my struggle is, well, what about the people that do abuse it? And, and that was a, a hard struggle for me, and and I know I've got a, an interesting situation that I've been a part of for a while, and I, I see some of, I'm trying to figure out the, the best way of, of communicating some of this, is I see how resources and giving and things like that can can be abused and and not used properly or then becomes a, a different men- mentality from those that are receiving that, that help. And you're like, well, well, at what point do you, I mean, do you just keep on giving and providing for that need, even if it's... Well, uh, okay, so think about it this way. How often have you misused finances? I've, I've misused finances, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is, is you've kept your head above water, mm-hmm. but you are also guilty of the same folly. Mm, that's true. As somebody else, they just either went the extra mile <laughs> <laughs> or they might not have been in such a favorable condition to start with. Like, you know, my parents were employed. Uh, they were broke. They misused money, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, however, they always kept just enough to keep us above water. Right. You know, so... I ended up in God's blessing somehow. Mm-hmm. Not sure really how that happened. Yeah. Um, but I have also misused money. I mean, you can, I've got, uh, someday I'll tell you the story of the car I bought that was a literal piece of poop. And my wife was like, really, you bought that? Like that, <laughs> that you had the money to buy a car and that's what you went for, you know, kind of thing. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that we're guilty of. We just haven't happened to go so far to where we're, you know, sitting mm. on the street corner begging. That's true. Um, or maybe our pride is getting in the way of actually asking for the help that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on the other hand, I, I'm with you because I do have that skepticism. Well, if I give them money, or what are they going to use it mm-hmm. for? Or would that organ, like we even have websites, like is that charity a worthwhile, wise organization to mm-hmm. give money to? And in all reality, I think that when you are investigating something like a charity, it is wise to look and see how they're going to use the money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think that you're donating money and you think that 90 cents out of your dollar is going to help people, and you find out that 30 cents out of your dollar is going to help people, yeah, you probably don't want to donate to them, right? you know, kind of thing. So there's a, there's a call to prudent, not prudence, that sounds wrong. That sounds o- overly tight. To be wise, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but on the other hand, there's also this commander freely. And I think that some of this is saying, hey, I'm, I'm taking time and getting to know 
this person. I'm learning to love my neighbor, my brother as myself. And I'm kind of jumping into that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this could be misused, but once again, God doesn't seem to want us to be burdened with the circumstances. Right. He wants us to be ready to freely give. Mm. So wisdom and giving to large organizations, um, et cetera. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, I'm also not going to give to, you know, an organization that is blatantly <laughs> sinful or against what I stand for or whatever. Absolutely. Um, on the other hand, with that one-on-one, with that when I'm meeting people, I need to learn to be more open and quit mm-hmm. worrying about that outside circumstance. Okay, yeah. Because that's the hard part is, I mean, we're in a situation where, yes, um, and it's yeah, like, a, at what get, point you do a, you... You give dude 20 bucks for gas, and you find out he used 5 bucks for gas and used the other $15 for beer. Mm-hmm. You were obedient. Right. He sinned. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And how long do you keep providing for those needs? I think that you need to pray about yeah. that and say, you know, how much do I throw at that? Mm-hmm. Um, God seems to be a fan of... Uh, open giving, but he also seems to be, you know, I don't want to say favoring, but he wants to favor his people, right? favor the community of believers. So I think that if you're meeting the needs within your community, okay, um, that might take a priority mm-hmm. uh, over the outsider. Right. But not that you should ne- completely neglect the outsider. Absolutely. Okay. I don't know. But I mean, also you have to give with what you have. Mm-hmm. So you can't just like, you know, uh, I bring home 600 a week, here's 300. <laughs> y- you know, you got to be maybe in a budget. <laughs> right. But budgets can be tight. This is a hard section, man. I, I know. I'm shooting from the hip on a lot of I, this because my heart is so uh, such a begrudging giver. Right. Well, I've just been struggling because, I mean, unfortunately, God's, I don't know, maybe unfortunately or fortunately, God's making this real in our own lives. And it's like, well, I definitely want to give ungrudgingly. I want to give with a good heart. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I, I worship God and not money and that I trust him with those finances. And and if we have the the financial means to, to help those in need, um, but when we help the needy, we, we see the resources not going where they need to, then then at what point do you... Do, stop in that particular situation and what point do you go on and i just want it, it's it's I, hard because you want to be you want to be obedient we, to, we, to how god has called us to live we've talked about this throughout deuteronomy but there's an eff- emphasis on the community aspect mm-hmm. here and i think that that's where the community also comes into play right. where you're trying you're you're intentional and blatant about what you're doing and you're saying hey i'm giving you this money i'm trying to help you out I want you to go pay this bill. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you this money so that you can get gas. I'm giving you this money so you can pay your rent. You know, whatever it happens to be over and over, you're saying, hey, I'm giving for help. And if that person can, you know, you say, hey, what happened to the 100 bucks I just gave you? Or what happened to the $20 I just gave you? And if they can't give you a straight answer, I think that that's where, you, as the community, you're supposed to step in and say, look, man, I want to help you. And mm-hmm. I'm going to help you, but you can't keep doing it this way. Right. Y- you know, I, I think that uh, you can also say, like, Hey, there's other people in need, and I'm going to give to the people that are going to be wise, responsible <laughs> with it. Um, and I know that semi-contradicts what I just said about, like, hey, God worries about the outside circumstance. You're called to give. But I think there's a, there's a line mm-hmm. that, that, hey, I've got an extra 20 bucks this week. I'm going to give it to somebody in need. I don't think there's anything wrong with picking the situation, you know, right. prayerfully picking the situation uh, that you're going to help out. Mm-hmm. So I think that prayerfully considering how and who and when you're going to be able to help out. Right. You know, you could also, well, we'll get into that next time. You could also take that person as an indentured servant. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought we'd get through this whole chapter, bro. Are we not going to make it? No, not even close. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But I'd say that, like, you know, there comes a time when that person needs to pay a debt and they can come in and work for you. Okay. Um, to help alleviate some of that debt or maybe to make make a living and you're setting that person up to have success but we'll get into that i think in the next one okay we're at 49 minutes and some change oh wow okay yeah i'm surprised i'm sorry yeah i guess half it was me stammering like well we gotta give but we gotta give wisely but 
we got to give open hand to it. As you can tell, I am not prepared to have an opinion on this. <laughs> well, I, I had my s- sinful little heart. <laughs> I had so much fun with studying it. I mean, just the metaphors and then rereading I it. I did, but then, then we talked about it. And then going to New Testament, <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. And, huh. and so I apologize because I just kind of ranted for what, probably longer than I should have when I was talking about Looks the like hands. about seven minutes. Oh, wow. I'm sorry, people. There's a seven-minute flat line on my <laughs> word where I kicked the table like twice on accident, and I was more worried things were going to fall over. Oh, okay. yeah. That's I'm when I was like, whoa, if you hear that in the background. So I, I'm sorry for my seven-minute rant. No, and, hey. and luckily, the little, uh, maybe the little things in the background of him kicking over the table would uh, wake you back up after I'm talking. But No, probably not. But, but again, reread that, thinking through those metaphors, because when you do that and then you go to those scriptures in the New Testament and really contemplate and pray over it, oh my gosh, yeah. this section of scripture is so much fun, but but it's hard at the same time, because I was very convicted with the way that I I look at people, and sometimes how my mm-hmm. heart is when I'm, I'm giving, and I'm giving, but am I really joyfully giving? Um, and yes, I have the means, but but do I have the means, or is it God's? And so you really wrestle through these different ideas and, and what's being communicated here and what Jesus communicates um, or what's communicated in the New Testament. Nothing. I pressed the button. Everything's fine. Oh, okay. I I didn't know. I was like click dragging down and I just pulled some hertz down, but actually it sounds better. So oh, okay, cool. It was a prov- providential oops. All right. <laughs> so the next two minutes or 30 seconds or whatever is better leveled. Yeah. So next time you'll have the better leveled podcast. Yeah, probably not. Uh, probably not. Hey, man. Okay. Well, our uh, audio engineer is top notch. Uh, yes, he is. I agree. Yeah, he's a good yeah. guy or something. No, well, but what, what's I, his name again? Yeah, if I'm if I'm summing this up, think of how you look at people. Think of how your heart's interpreting that data, and move from there. And if you find that your heart is constantly hardened and begrudging, then a lot of work needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And if you're finding that your heart is open and you're not, you know, looking down on others because of their situation or you're not trying to see how awful that person is, then you're awesome, but keep praying that God holds you that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then go back and reread this section of Scripture and be like me who's sitting over here stammering because you're realizing what a little... <laughs> wait, twit. I think the word I said is a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yeah, I oh. don't know. Whoops. We'll edit that out. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, we'll <laughs> see you. I guess we won't see you. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for two we'll, weeks. All yeah. right. We'll make the music go here. I'm going to go do a quick edit. Okay. Okay. <laughs>